Hey everyone, welcome to Daily Cyber. My name is Brandon Krager. I'm a cybersecurity account executive with Uzado. Uh, today, what we're going to be talking about is basically anything cybersecurity and basically AMA. Ask me anything. All right, studying uh, what you guys are working on right now, uh, personal development, different challenges you guys are working through. Ask me anything. Just let me let me know what you want. You guys want to talk about? I have a, a wealth of background in different areas and different knowledges. So today is really going to be about that. It's really going to be about looking at different aspects of cybersecurity, life in general, and really just kind of getting at it. So uh, grab a drink, get comfortable, grab a coffee and a tea, and let's hack at it. I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, USADO. USADO is a Canadian-based cybersecurity company that provides 24-7 cybersecurity support and compliance service that align their customers' tolerance for risk, their clients, suppliers, and government contractual mandates. USADO's teams focus on using insights to drive business decisions. There's no need to leave strategies to chance when insights can be used to show what changes need to be made and how to make them. USADO offers multiple services to help companies simplify IT, centralize cybersecurity management, and meet compliance standards. USADO can customize their service to work with your existing IT network and programs. For more information, contact USADO at info at uzado.com or visit their website at www.uzado.com. So guys, uh, we're already starting. I can start to see the questions come in. Keep them coming. I uh, want to do a little housekeeping first. Uh, in the actual chat, uh, make sure you ask the questions there. We've got our amazing moderator, uh, Sec IT Guy. Uh, he's going to be helping you guys uh, facilitating the questions. We'll actually some, have some uh, little teasers there as well if you want to know my socials. Uh, I have some education too that we're going to be queuing up a little bit later. Also, different uh, areas that, you know, for s social media, different marketing, things along that line. So make sure you ask a lot of questions. Uh, just to give you a little update recap uh, again, if you're new to this, this is the security, the cyber insecurity network community. Uh, we've got a Discord group. Uh, Neil Bridges is our, is our kind of founder of who's growing this out. Uh, the goal is to really collaborate with security people from high level, senior level people to guys who are breaking the industry, you know, ladies and gentlemen, all right, breaking the industry and just really kind of bridging that gap and making sure that we have a community that everyone's growing together and we're learning together as a community because it's a massive, massive industry, small community, right? And that's why we're going to work together to collaborate and help each other be successful in this industry. And I think the goal is right now is to be mentors for each other. And that's why, you know, a lot of the streamers right now are doing that just to make sure that we're passing it forward for the guys that helped us as we started out to help you guys and answer the questions that you guys are looking for and make sure that we give you that, you know, bridge those gaps, help you to troubleshoot different areas in your cybersecurity career, education, challenge you're going through day to day help you to bridge all those gaps so that what happens is you can do it faster than we did when we had to literally just and you think about it, hack the industry right and try to break in in different ways in different directions and then be able to get in we're trying to streamline that for you so that you can have a faster way into the industry have more success 
So make sure you ask lots of questions. That's what we're here for. Uh, share this with your friends, your colleagues. Make sure, you know, if you're new, subscribe to the, the channel. I'll get uh, Sec IT Guide to make sure they put the Discord in there that you guys can join, join the Discord channel and just start chatting and start collaborating. I remember uh, on Tuesday, it was yesterday, we had a person ask that, looking for, I'm looking for a community that I can connect with. And we're like, right here, this is the community. Like these guys are right here. They're helping. They're collaborating. This is the best place right now to get all your cybersecurity needs, your solutions, your questions answered. So uh, please jump in. You know, ask a lot of questions, and let's start to jump in and, and start to ask. You know, answer some of these questions here. So first one I got is uh, Bandeki, uh, and 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 also Neil Bridges recommended a MacBook Pro with a 16 gigabyte of RAM for pen tests. And do you recommend the same? Depends on what you're most comfortable with. You can use a MacBook Pro. I know a lot of pen testers that I I've talked to use, sometimes use MacBook Pros. They're more expensive, right? Uh, again, they're a little bit du more durable than I find with like IBM or, you know, you can get uh, Alien Alienware and anything, any of these like gaming PCs and start to do that. I've seen all different pen testers use it. It depends on what you're most comfortable using because a lot of these guys streamline it. You know, they use different... You know, Kali Linux, they you know, might uh, break it down and all of a sudden put a Linux you know, OS on it and you use Kali Linux to start doing it. They use different tools. So it really comes down to what you're most comfortable with and then what's in your budget. Right? So kind of look at that when you're looking at a pen testing machine, what's kind of in your budget and then what's going to be more convenient for you to, to expand and grow with. Uh, is Usato hiring salespeople? Yes, we are. Uh, send me, go into usato.com. Uh, there's actually a career, uh, I think it's career, careers at usato.com uh, is the website, uh, the, the career email. Go there, submit your resume. Uh, we're always hiring, always looking for people, uh, really amazing people. So yeah, if you're looking for a, a sales job, just know this, it is a great job, great learning, great organization, but it's sweat equity. You got to really kind of push yourself and it's, it's good. It's a good team, good people to work with. But again, it's sales is hard. It's hard right now in this industry because of the pandemic and everything that's going on. So yeah, if you're interested, submit your resume. We're always looking for good people. Uh, which do you prefer VM, uh, VMs, VMware or VM box and why? I've used both. Uh, the one I, I kind of used more was VirtualBox, and that was more of the cost, right? So uh, freeware, you're able to kind of play with it. I know with VMware, uh, we were using at the Ontario government, and of course we had licenses and anything along that line. It's a kind of corporate version, right? And that's kind of what they went with. I find with both of them, they have their their pros in the sense of the the enterprise environment, and they they work. And again, this is one of those ones that it comes down to personal preference. VirtualBox, I find, you know, most people that were using it were kind of guys that were doing more labs and kind of, you know, working at home. I didn't see it too much in the corporate environment on my side. Uh, I love to ask the guys in the, in the community, the more senior guys, what do you guys see more? Do you guys see more VMware or VirtualBox? From what I've seen, I've seen more VMware. Uh, and, and just it's more enterprise level, a little bit more support where VirtualBox is kind of, uh, freeware, it's kind of out there and it's developing. So that's kind of what I've been seeing with that. Uh, I'm currently doing my WGU uh, cybersecurity degree. Awesome. We heard a lot, a lot about that yesterday. Uh, and there's a Python, but no PowerShell. Heard about it in last night's stream. Would you recommend learning it as well? And if so, what resources would you recommend? Um, 
Code Academy is one. Uh, if you're trying to look at PowerShell and things along that line, there's a lot of different YouTube videos, free resources along that line. Uh, I don't know if INE has a course. I would check that website out as well. INE might have a course. Uh, uh, SecIT, let me know if, if, if you know if, I, uh, if INE does have a course for PowerShell. But there's a lot of great resources. Code Academy is one that I know I was learning a little bit of Python programming and different things along that line. So check that out. Uh, Udemy is a great resource, kind of more uh, cost effective. Uh, depending if you're more of a reader, Safari Books Online is a great resource. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's like $39 or $49 a month, and you get a, a database of books and, and resources. So depending if you're a reader, you, you learn by reading. Right, you learn auditorial, you learn uh, kinesthetic, but you have to do so. You watch videos and actually apply. So it depends how you learn. So there's a couple resources that hopefully that helps you out. Uh, Brennan, I have both a tech and a sales background. I'm looking to start in sales with cybersecurity company, and as as I build my certs, move to testing. Okay, so here's here's the challenge. If you're jumping from, and we talked a little bit about this last night. If you're going from like sales to tech to uh, like pen testing or cloud security or something along that line, it's a little bit harder. And the reason why it is, is because the sales guys, as you know, it sounds like yeah, you have a sales background, is more, you know, business development, understanding sales cycles, understanding the product, but not really talking too much as depth, as deep on the technical side because you got to work through what's the business need what's the business requirements what do they need as compliance what's the client like their clients asking for that company and organization to implement cybersecurity so there's a lot to concentrate on there so you to dive deep into like the technical side is a little bit harder because then we have subject matter experts and they kind of do that and because of the depth of knowledge that you need to know and study you generally don't have enough time because you're trying to engage in what's going on in the industry, what's going on with that organization. You're doing a lot of research on that and understanding corporate, you know, dialogue and, and business requirements and, you know, cost of acquisitions and things along that line where an IT guy, a technical guy doesn't have the time for it. Doesn't say that I'm not saying you can't do it. Just it's really hard to have the time for it because, and, and like Joel, my, my buddy that I did the CSSB study group yesterday, he's, constantly studying tech technology and then as he's bridging to the cssp he can find he finds the kind of the gaps where he's like oh like i wish i knew more of that or i had more time because my days all spent with technical well on the reverse fights uh, reverse side of that the sales your sales is all you know all negotiation communication understanding discovery kind of going through that looking at the client's needs and wants and then looking at you know uh statements of work and contracts and things like that so you don't really have the full day to spend on the technology. So you may spend an hour or two hours studying at night. So like long, long to short, you know, story here is that if you're going to go into technology, I would recommend start going into tech roles start right from the start, right? Sock roles, things along the line and build your way up in that way. Now, if you're in sales right now, look at going SME subject matter expert and trying to, you know, bridge your gap over that way versus staying directly in sales. Because again, it's, it's it's more challenging. I'm not saying it's impossible, just more challenging. Uh, cybersecurity. What is the most profitable path in cybersecurity? If you had you had to make a million dollars through working in cybersecurity, what would you do, and how long would it take? Okay, so this is my trademark idea. No one else take that. Just want to put this out there. Uh, 
anything in cybersecurity right now, when you look at AI technology, you look like an encryption, uh, securing internet of things, uh, compliance, CMMC is going to be big. Different areas in cybersecurity are multi-million dollar ideas, right? And multi, you know, I would say multi-million dollar verticals that you can work in and you can develop and you can create an idea and a concept and run with it. It's just the one challenge, and I'm going to put my business hat on here. The one challenge is, is developing something out that you can take to market, you know, and you have the run rate of financial to be able to do that. And then being able to sell it that people will buy it and then it'll take off and it's something they need, right? Uh, looking at quantum computers, you can, you know, somehow source qu a quantum computer in North America right now. That's going to be huge. That's going to be huge if you're able to do that. So here's some ideas that are, are what you can potentially do. Now, you're asking about time. How long will it take? Any business, realistically, you're looking at two to five years, right? One year of building and developing, if you can do it really well and efficiently and you have a business sense and, and a great strong team, and then two to five years to ramp that up. Right. So that's kind of what you're looking at. And, and it takes some time. That's putting my business hat on. And I've talked to a lot of successful business people and my, my the owner of the company. I get to have conversations with them about business. And these are the things like you're constantly changing, being dynamic, changing your service, changing your products, the way you're doing things and keep you know, keep being successful. So hopefully that answers your question. And I just want to make sure that you understand that it is a sweat equity. You really have to have a love for it. And you really have to have a passion because being in business is hard. Being in business on your own is hard. It's it's a, it's tough, right? And but I mean, when you get through it, you get to the other end. You know, you, there's rewards, but then you have bigger challenges as an owner of a business, right? So, just kind of think of the, about that. Hopefully, that answered your question. Uh, I have a question. What is the position I should shoot for if I want to skew into reverse engineering? Um, so you want to reverse engineer. And this is a good question. What do you want to reverse engineer? Because you can reverse engineer coding. You can reverse engineer hardware. What do you want to get into? Now, if my recommendation is kind of look at that path of what you want to reverse engineer and go on the one side of actually developing it out. How is that developed? So if it's code, go into coding. How is coding? And then look at, you know, for malware, things along that. How is that malware developed? And then you can kind of look at the, you know, the coding of it, what type of code it's used, anything on that line. And then when you get some sort of malware that comes in and you're, you're, you're checking that out, uh, wants to be a, a reverse engineer malware. So that's why I was wondering. So malware, right? So you want to look at how malware is developed. You want to kind of look, now be very careful. You want to develop your own malware, but you want to kind of look at how software is coded and, and things along that line. So what happens is when you get it, you can kind of go, okay, how is that implemented? What do they do? How did they code? How does it execute? How does it go on through that path to be able to be exploited certain areas? How is it exfiltrate certain, you know, ports, things along that line? Because then what happens is if you understand the code, you understand what to look for. And then you start to now through experience, you start to, to break it down. Now, the other thing is I would look at mentors that already do this and then ask them, how do I get this done? Like, how do I go through this? Right? So what do you do in your day-to-day -day job? How did you get to this point? If I want to be you in five years, how do I get to be that point? And then what do I need to do to reverse engineer that and say, you got Python, you get C++, you did this program, you did that. Okay. And then what did you do to make, to apply that to, you know, reverse engineering malware? 
and then they'll be able to give you their path and what they did. So that's that's what I'd recommend there. Uh, what skills should I focus on to get into a sock job? Security Plus. Uh, one of the things is, you know, a lot of the security analysts, uh, Herchevet Group, I see this quite a bit, you know, understanding a base level of cybersecurity. Security Plus, if you can get that certification, that's generally an entry level into a SOC. Uh, and then from there, experience, experience, experience. Right? And the more you can do, kind of do on your own, sweat equity, things along that line, it just shows more that you're you're able to do the job and have a passion for it. When you do the interviews, uh, prepare for the interviews, make sure you're kind of set that you know how to interview well, you know how to answer the questions, you know what a SOC is, you know what you know, a SIM is, uh, you know kind of you know event logging, you know all that, you're going in, you're prepared. What's the day-to-day -day job? Now, if I were you, I'd go interview someone that's you know actually working at a SOC, level one, level two, level three analyst, and say, and take notes. Like, what do you do? What do you do day-to-day? How do you do this? Okay. I don't need specifics in the sense of, you know, any, any NDA, but do you, you know, do you, when you log in, you log into your, your monitoring tools. Okay. Perfect. And then you're monitoring the SIM. Do you get assigned to clients? Okay, great. How does that work? You know, if there's an escalation, do I know, need to know ITEL? Like what, what's the ex escalation path? How does that work? Do you call them set ones, priority ones? So then what happens when you go to the interview, then you know what they're asking. Kind of go, okay. So I'm going to prepare for this, for this job. Okay, great. So, you know, tell, tell me a scenario when you, you know, how would you deal with an incident? Well, from my understanding of how a SOC works, I would do this. I would log a ticket. I would do this. I'd do that. And you can walk through the past. I'd make sure it's logged as a priority one, two, or three, depending on the outage. And I would do X, Y, and Z. And they're going to go, okay, this guy has a base knowledge. This guy or girl has a base knowledge. And we're comfortable to work with them and start to, you know, train them up in our system and our solution, right? And then get them up to next level, next level. And then the learning curve in a SOC is very, very high because a lot of these uh, cybersecurity companies, IT companies as well, but cybersecurity companies from my point of view, they train you. They have a lot of internal training on their systems, their solutions, sometimes even vendors, vendor training that you're going to go through if it's Rapid7, Qualys, uh, Radar, whatever that may be. They're going to take you through that training so you're going to know the platforms and what you're dealing with. And then uh, all of a sudden you hit the ground running. And those are great things to put on your resume. So hopefully that answers your question. Uh, if I know nothing, well, you know something. Everyone knows something, right? And I want to get started with, well, I want to get started, what should I start with? I'm doing INE pen testing, but some of the info, I just have no base to start off. Okay, so first and foremost, it's always good to get a base. If you're doing the INE pen testing uh, course, perfect, right? That's a perfect way to start. Start to watch YouTube videos, start to come in here, watch, you know, the pen testing. We have, uh, I think we had last night, we had someone doing uh, pen testing and, and the basis of pen testing. Come out here and just ask a lot of questions. Go onto different forums. And, and okay, so guys, I want everyone to take a break for a second and, and get a piece of paper out, get ready for this. The best way to get prepared in cybersecurity at any level right? Is to ask yourself good questions, right? What do I need to know? How does this work? Right? What do I need to know if I'm going to apply this? Asking these, these good questions before you go into these courses, because you own these programs will get your mindset to look for those answers, right? That's why it's key important. It's a key point here and very important is to prep yourself as you're doing this right now. I get it. You, you, you feel new. You feel like, holy God, this is like, 
Mount Everest, right? It's a big elephant, you know? How do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. It's kind of that analogy right now. So as you're doing that, take your time. Ask yourself good questions and then go get the answer. And I'm going to tell you this, and this is going to suck. It's going to be the worst thing that everyone's going to hear. You get one answer and you go out there and you're like, oh, I got the answer. And then it's going to open up 10 more questions. And you go get those 10 questions answered. And it's going to go up another 20 questions. And you need to keep going. You're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm just keep growing. Welcome to cybersecurity and w- welcome to the evolution of this career and why you would never stop being a student, right? So you're always going to have this little anxiousness of feeling kind of new because as new things come out, but that's okay. When you look back and go, oh my God, how much do I know? You're going to know so much and it's just going to keep evolving. Now, don't get me wrong. If you look at this room that I'm in, the amount of information you're going to know in cybersecurity is going to be like this little dot, right? And then it, that little dot is going to get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Then it's going to shift on you because th- something's going to come out. Machine learning, AI, something like that. And you're just going to go, it's going to shift and you're going to have to learn so much more. But that's the, that's the joy of this because the people who are you're helping and you're supporting know less than that dot. And they're looking for you for, you know, your expertise and your knowledge. So keep it up. Uh, hopefully that answered your question. Let me know if you have a, an add-on question to that. Uh, just looking here. I need to, I need does have a PowerShell course. So yeah, if you want to check out I and E, right, they have a PowerShell course. Uh, again, I is a great resource. I know right now we're kind of working with them right now with all their programs. So check them out again. I gave a lot of different resources depending on your learning style. That's so important. Understanding how you learn, right? I might tell you learn on videos, but maybe you're not someone that does videos. Maybe you're, you're better look at book reading. You like to read, you like to go through it. Here's a little tip, and this is going to kind of piss off SecIT guy, but I want to know, you know, just by a survey, and and SecIT, if you could do a survey for me, how many people like to to read, right? Just kind of hit a yes or no, right? That's how you study, right? I just want to know, put a yes in in the community. Do you like to read to study or there's something else? All right. The reason why I put that out is because you got to know the way you retain information. And if you can master that, which I'm doing right now, I'm working on uh, Jim Quick's course, uh, speed reading, uh, quick reading, quick recall, and uh, quick thinking. The reason why is because as you guys know, we never stop learning articles, uh, white papers, books, resources, exams, certifications. It's just never ending you know we're kind of always keep learning right so how do we do it better more efficiently and that's what i'm working on right now so that's what i'm trying to work on mastering because like you guys i'm trying to learn i'm a, I'm a student of this so if you have any questions about that let me know i'll answer some questions around around that uh, i was looking to hear someone's reading 900 words per minute i'm right now at 400 words per minute so th- that's kind of the thing you want to get that speeding but then you want to have you know hundred percent your retention. And then you want to have recall after short. And one of the secrets to recall, I'll give you guys a little tip here is you study something immediately one hour after one day after one month after six months after, and then one, one year, if you can do that by the time you hit six months, if you don't know it, then you just go and review it. And then you're going to start remembering. And that's going to get into your long-term memory. So when you're sitting in a meeting, someone goes, hey, so tell me about the uh, TCP IP protocol or uh, tell me about that, you know, CMMC, you know, compliance. You're going to be able to go, boom, that's what it is. Versus, um, hold on a second here. Let me look that up. Google, uh, CMMC protocol, what do you need, right? 
Uh, what's the compliance? When you study it that way, you're going to return, you're going to learn it and you're going to be able to retain it. So keep that in mind as you guys are going that as you're learning information. And one of the secrets to learning too is uh, do it in chunks, 10, 10 minutes to 20 minute chunks. Don't try to study for two hours. Your brain only retains so much information in short chunks, right? 20 minutes chunks, take a break, go for a walk, come back. If you do another 20 minute chunk and then that's it. Right? And then, you know, kind of review, review, review. Uh, let's see. Next question here. I'm currently an IT specialist for a school district. Our department is very uh, pretty flat, so I have a wide experience of tier one to three support system and min, MDM, uh, identity access management. I think that's what it is. A hardware, software, de uh, deployment, implementation. Do you have a resource that would help describe these skills in a way that could translate to security field? Yes. So what you have to look at is this. You're on, I would call you the blue team side. You're configuring, supporting, making sure everything's running. Now, put on put on your security hat. How do you harden that? How do you secure that? Each of those, what do you do to harden that? And that's going to be your story that you're telling what you do day to day. Right now, and then if you're not doing it, and that's okay if you're not doing it right now, start going in tomorrow with the mindset now of, how do I harden that? What do I need to do the heart? And now start implementing those things for you. So I went in, I looked at, you know, uh, the system I made, I looked at Active Directory. I looked at some security protocols, you know, what things are like, uh, some open holes, some things that need to be hardened. I looked at some vulnerabilities and then I now start to do recommendations, you know, recommendations on what needs to be hardened. The MDM or, you know, access, you know, identity access management, hardware, software deployment, implementation. How do I make sure that the NDM, which is the software deployment, how do I make that sure that's secure, that the image is secure, that we've tested it, we've done all that. And now you're wording your resume and projects you're working on is as you're hardening these things. So now, now relates to security. Now you've set it up, but now you've looked at how to harden it. And now because you have one of these jobs that you can put on multiple hats, put on that hat for yourself. Um, which site is best to learn pen testing? INE. INE is the best one. Hack the box. There's 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 lots of them out there. Uh, here, <laughs> coming here, right? Uh, watching the videos. Um, those are kind of the ones that are, are good to start with. Uh, INE has a great course. Uh, I'll get uh, Sec IT guy to, to post it in there. But when you're looking at that, it's a great place to start. Now, depending on your budget too, right? Some people, you know, start with Udemy and things along that line. But I think INE has actually a good, a good program to start with. Uh, Brandon, now that we are in, in, into infrastructure, can you briefly tell us the cost difference between having own data center and move it to the cloud? Okay, so there's a lot, that, lot to unpack there. Uh, you're looking at having your own, own infrastructure internally. The difference of that is like you got on-prem solution, you got hardware you have to maintain, you have to have licenses, you have to have service agreements, you have to have service licenses and maintenance, right? You have to have resources and staff that are able to maintain multiple. You have to have backups, redundancies, things along that line. That Those costs associated generally get transferred to having like a cloud you know, type solution, right? What happens is a lot of that cost gets implemented. Now, don't get me wrong. Then you look at storage, like a lot of times you buy your own hard drives and you, you maintain that and you have redundancies and failovers because you have your own data center. 
But then what happens when you go to cloud, it's a progressive model. As you need more space, you start to pay for more. So that's kind of the difference as, as you, you look at right there. Um, you also look at, and you know, don't forget like, you know, the portability uptime SLA and the biggest consideration. So yeah, you look at, you know, 99.99% uptime. Now, depending on the organization, right? Some organizations have a great data center internally and they've done a lot of work to manage it, but the cost of that to do that. And then the support where you have like Amazon, Amazon has a team of people, has multiple locations, right? Where they're looking at the, the SLA and, and uptime that there's failover and failover into locations too, right? So if one data center, knock on wood, you know, if it does fail, there's a failover to an actual completely different location that you're able to work with. So there's all these things that you're looking at right now when it comes to accessibility. You look at the CIA, confidentiality, data, integrity, availability, availability, right? So when you're looking at that, you're kind of looking at putting in your security hat. Those are the things you're kind of looking at. And then you're looking at the cost, right? What's more cost effective, right? Do you have the resources to be able to do that? Or do you have a resource that's available that you can streamline your team and now they're only managing a cloud you know, solution versus they're managing a whole data center, right? And then uh, Joel and I talked about, even with the data center, there's a lot to think about, like if you don't run your own. Uh, security, fire hazards, physical security, uh, data security, encryption, like all these things you have to think about where when you're in a cloud solution, a lot of that's co it's considered shared responsibility. So you're working with a cloud provider to collaborate on what is being secured and how it's being protected. So even the physical security, uh, you don't have to look after if you're in Amazon or you know Oracle or uh, Microsoft Cloud, they're looking after the physical security. So there's a lot of things that are balanced out there. Um, but yeah, make sure you evaluate and assess that. So it's very important. Uh, I'm new to cybersecurity. Where to find information about different uh, routes in cybersecurity field? Uh, what I would do is one thing to do is even grab the cybersecurity, like the Security Plus book. Uh, look on job sites. Um, I'm trying to think if there's an actual map. Now, CompTIA, I think, has one. I don't know if INE has one, but I know CompTIA has kind of a career path. You know, if you want to kind of look at different career paths in the cybersecurity field, uh, those are good sites and good resources to take on, take a look. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know if Sands has one too. Mm, they might, they might have one. But yeah, I know CompTIA. When I was starting to look into cybersecurity, CompTIA was a good one just to kind of get like basic resources information. Uh, can you talk about the article you shared on how SMS are are not secure? <laughs> uh, okay. When you're looking at SMS, a lot of times that like different solutions right now, and you know, like you got like WhatsApp and you know, all these different you know tools that you're doing. A lot of times when you're looking at that, the the different solutions, I'm just going to pick on iPhone for a little bit. If you have like an iPhone and maybe you have, you know, you've jailbroke it or something along that line, you might have code on your, your phone that's reading different things. You've seen this like a lot of policies and procedures where it says like, or the term, sorry, terms of service, where basically it says we have access to everything on your phone, right? Contacts, photos, whatever that may be. Well, some of them are actually reading your messages too, right? So you're looking at that type of security. Then you're looking at like code that's actually vulnerable, third-party code. Uh, Source Defense is a good good website when you're looking at uh, auditing plugins, widgets, and things along that line when it comes to websites. But you also have to look at the different code that is installed on your phone from different applications. Now, Apple's trying to get better. They're not perfect. They're trying to get better. 
But there's a lot of these applications on the phones that are able to, to compromise the phone or at least the privacy. It's not hacking the phone necessarily, but it's the privacy of the phone and all this data that you're looking at is actually getting out there, right? And be, it can be shared. It can be anything along that line. Your, your SMS and your, your text messages are being shared out. So a lot of stuff you're thinking, oh, hey, I, you know, I'm going to send this secure message. Potentially it might not be, right? So one of the companies I'm actually starting to collaborate with right now, uh, CWS, is actually now looking at quantum resilient encryption to be one of the highest level encryptions so that SMS data communications all secure. So something that you know we're all looking at right now is is you know data security and, and security end to end, right? At rest and in motion. So hopefully that answers your question, uh, Brandon. On making a million dollars line, how is uh, how is comp in the sales side? Oh, so how's the composition on the sales side? Okay, so. Depending on the business that you're working for now, you're talking about like my sales job. Do I make a million dollars? Not even close, right? Uh, there's there's possibility like guys that do it. Like we want to talk about Robert Herjavec and that those guys. Now that comes down to, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. It comes down to relationships. The better relationships that you have in, in the bigger you know clients, the more you can start to hit those you know seven figure you know or even more kind of you know dollars. What happens with that is, is because they have great relationships with large organizations that buy quite a bit of product or service, consulting fees, anything along that line. With sales, I mean, it's it's a hustle. It's a hustle to kind of get get up there, especially because of the pandemic. Normally, with sales and things along that line, it, you know, it's it's a it's a grind, but it's a relationship market. But with the pandemic and everything that's going on in the market changing and how people are selling, it's a dynamic industry. You have to keep pivoting. You have to keep changing because right now, and I had a conversation with a, a financial sales guy uh, and he was selling like stocks and, you know, investments and things like that. Well, these guys are flooding the market right now. So I'm getting calls from different banks and different, you know, financial advisors and all that. Roughly five, maybe 10 a day right, are calling me from different organizations and they're just flooding the market. Well, no different from cybersecurity where I'm talking to people and they're saying like, okay, like what? Oh, what do you want? Right. Well, you know, sorry, it sounds like I've upset you, or it sounds like, you know, you're having a rough day. Well, no, you're not the first cybersecurity guy that's called me and the sales guy's called me. Like, what do you want? So trying to get rapport, trying to get a relationship right now is is a little bit more challenging than it was before because a lot of times you go to networking events. You go to a conference, you go to a networking event, you go to a social event, and you, you build up some rapport and you build up relationship, and then you start talking after. Where now it's strictly, you know, potentially if you can network online webinars, things along that line, potentially maybe some groups, you know, hopefully, but then it's completely like outreach. It's cold calling and kind of getting out there. So it's a grind. It's a, a grind to get, to get out there. But you know, if you love sales, you love the hustle, it's worth it. Uh, what, what's the percentage of jobs roughly offensive versus defensive security? <laughs> Good question. I, I actually don't know that. I'll be honest with you. I don't know stats on that. All I know right now it is a massive industry on both sides, offensive and defensive. The jobs out there, I mean, do go to any job site, you're going to see massive amounts of jobs uh, fluctuating because right now there's a shortage in great resources. So the better you guys can get in your skills, the the more you guys can get opportunities out there. Uh, in my in my opinion, be honest. What is the what is the sec plus still a DOD requirement? Sir, no no offense. Um. So what they do is it's just a base, right? It's a base. And think about this with any certification. 
let's call a spade. And I told you, I'm going to tell you the truth about cybersecurity, right? That's why I'm here. What it really is, is that people kind of go, you know, this, if I go to you and I say, Hey, I need to go to a doctor. You have a base, you know, respect for me that I, at least I should know this security plus is that they go, at least you passed the exam. You hopefully didn't brain dump it. You studied, you know, the information. So you should at least be at this level. So now if we're going to take you in, we're going to make confirm that, but then we're going to start now teaching you more advanced things because it's going to be faster and easier for us to do that versus going, uh, do you know what a phishing attack is? Uh, do you know what malware is? And they're like, I don't know. I have no clue. Right. And they're like, Oh my God. <sighs> okay. It's not, yeah, I don't have time to do this and think of it like a managerial role. They want to be as more as efficient as possible to train someone up, get them working so the manager can start working on other things and that person can do their job. So that's why any of these exams, any of these certifications, it's, it's a base, right? It's a base from what you're going to learn. And then you're going to evolve in the organization to learn more and to, to specialize and master that. So that's kind of the, the, why the security plus is still a DOD requirement. It's a requirement for SOC, you know, this, some entry-level SOC positions. That's why you see that. Uh, I feel in my cybersecurity, I feel in, uh, feel like I'm cybersecurity. You have to be curious and trying to think outside the box, learn new things every day. Then you're, you'll be improving more and more. Yes, 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 yes. You constantly have to be curious. If you, okay, so one way, not the only way, but one way to fail in cybersecurity is you, you say, I've made it. I've made it. I'm done. I'm done. I've got everything. I'm an expert in the field. As soon as you have that mentality, you're going to fail at cybersecurity. You have to kind of go, great. I, I've got to this point. What am I going to learn next? What am I going to evolve? What am I going to develop? That's going to keep you growing. The most success in this business and in this industry is having that mindset and always being curious. If you can be curious constantly, that's going to keep you growing. That's going to keep you in the cybersecurity space and it's going to keep you interested. And then it's going to be interesting for other people. Cause when they hear that you're working on that next thing, they're going to go. So what is that? Tell me a little bit about that. How does it work? How does it relate? And now they're going to learn from you and you're going to teach them as you're learning. So this is this evolution of like almost called ping pong that you also, someone's going to be more, a little bit more advanced than you. And you're going to learn from them. And then you're going to work on something a little bit different and they're going to go, Oh, what are you working on? I'm going to learn from you. And it's just, just back and forth. Right. And you just keep evolving. Right. You're always going to be in that evolution. And if you can do that, you have a long career in cybersecurity. Uh, hot take. Uh, do I start OSCP or pay somebody to help me launch a product I've been working on that? That really is personal choice, right? If you're working on a product and you it's come to launch and Okay, so I'm going to put myself my business hat on here. If you've been working on a project and you have someone that's going to buy it, here's the key for business, business 101. The difference between a business and a hobby. A business, someone gives you a dollar. A hobby is something you do on the side and you do it for fun. That's business 101. I learned that from my marketing days and being owning a marketing company for 10 years. And someone told me that. Now, when I first opened my marketing company, I was like, no, that's not true. And then I realized how I struggled in not making money and giving people a lot of things for free and consulting. And then I realized they were completely right. I had to make sure that when I was working with them, there was an exchange of energy of money 
because then it started became a business. And then I had to look at my overhead and the costs and, you know, profit and loss and operations and things along that line. And it just became a point where I realized very quickly, if I was going to launch a product like you are, you're thinking about doing, start getting people that are interested, start getting, you know, pre-sales, start getting do all that, you know, and then you're going to know, is this going to be a hobby or is this a real business that people are going to start to kind of buy into? And they're going to look at you starting to be a real business and a product they want to do. So really think about that. Oh, I've been sitting here all day. This is pretty cool. Right. And I love helping you guys. So keep the questions coming. Uh, if a company has both junior and regular pen testing positions, generally what's the difference in tasks between those two positions? Um, two things. One, Junior to pen testing generally is the uh, the complexity of the pen test. Second is the relationship with the client. Generally, you'll find the senior level, you know, the regular pen testers have a better way of explaining to the clients what they've done, what's the remediation steps, and what the client needs to do moving forward. That's generally what you see as the secret from the progression is the technical skills to be able to pen test and the different things that they're able to compromise and 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 breach and then the relationship and the, how they are able to articulate what they've done to the client in very simplistic terms so the client can kind of go got it that's what happened and holy crap i can't believe you got in what do we need to do how do we remediate this what's our roadmap and if you can do that that's the the path to getting to that next level right it's not just the technical skills it's both the technical and the soft skills of communication uh reading is good but from a detect's point of view, it's a combination of reading, theory, hands-on practice that gives the great recall. Okay, so one thing that gives gives recall is repetition, right? Repetition, repetition, right? And one of the things that I'm learning from you know some of these courses, and I'm, let me put it first here. I'm not disagreeing with you. Hands-on, tactile, kind of be able to do this, you know. But if you're reading, one of the things is doing applying it three times. So here's a secret. Again, guys, get your notebooks out, write this out. First thing to do, if you're, re you're reading a technical chapter, scan the first, the chapter once, looking for the pictures and just look at the pictures. Second, look at for the vocabulary, things that words you do not know, right? Go and write them in, like in your notes, write them in your notes as you're studying. And then third, read the chapter. What happens is when you look at the pictures first, it's going to make you curious. What are those pictures? What do they mean? What's the, what's the background of them? What's the, what's that in context, right? Second, you're going to look at the vocabulary and you're going to learn all the new words that are coming out of that chapter, right? And you're going to go, okay, what, how, what does that mean in context of this chapter, right? Third is you're actually, actually, sorry, hold on. Scratch out three, four is ask yourself good questions. So you, you've scanned the chapter, you kind of do that. What's this chapter? What is this chapter? What am I, I going to learn from it? What does is, what is these things mean? How am I going to use this? Right? And then come up with five or five to nine questions. And then from there, then read the chapter. So I'm going to recap. One, review the images. Two, look over vocabulary. Three, what you're going to do is ask yourself good questions. Write down questions before you do that. You review that. The, the actual chapter. And then, and then the fourth one is actually read the chapter right now. If you look at that, you've actually gone through the chapter four times. Now you've gone through the first couple of times quickly, right? The first two you've gone through quickly. 
<clears throat> the third one, right? You're getting questions because you're getting your mind curious and setting up to, to ask questions and be very specific on what you're looking for. And the fourth one you're now reading. So think about how focused you are now on reading that. If you have good questions, you're literally going, okay, I saw that picture. I want to know what that means. Now you're completely focused on that, right? And your mind's going to be focused on that. So hopefully that helps to a better way of studying. Not saying it's perfect, not saying it's the only way, but I'm just giving you advice on things that I'm learning, which I wish I learned in school, you know, when I was studying and now I'm applying it now as I'm studying and it's, I'm, I'm seeing great results from it. Uh, Brandon, separate question, EWPT or ECPPT version two uh, pulls up. Um, let me know the, the, the actual, uh, the poll numbers from that uh, sec IT. I like to know that to be honest with you, I'd have to actually look that up for my, for myself. Uh, question. Do you certain personalities, personal tra uh, traits, learn more to red or blue team? Um, I wouldn't say necessary personality or uh, personality traits. I would say it's curiosity. Now don't get me wrong. Like, and Social people now. I'll, I'll kind of give you traits. Some some simple traits here. You have an analytical, you know, type person. You have a assertive type person, and say you have an accommodator. I'm just using those three as just simple ones right now. Accommodator is more social, outgoing. Someone you kind of see at a party, kind of hanging out, drinking, have some fun. Assertive guy is kind of the ones just to the point. Don't really have much patience. Let's get it. Let's get it done. The analytical guys, right? The ones that are you know facts, figures, numbers. Those guys will probably be a little bit more on any technical role because they want to figure it out. They want to learn it, right? Sort of guys really don't have time. Comrades want to have fun with the other guys, right? They want to kind of socialize. So if you're looking at personality traits, and no, don't get me wrong. These are not break all, you know, one person's one, one person's the other. Sometimes they're scenario-based. Some days you'll be assertive. Some days you'll be more accommodating. Some days you'll be more um, uh, analytical. Depends on the scenario you are. But when you're looking at the roles, the technical people normally le uh, le lead down to more uh, analytical, analytical type people because they want to figure things out. They want to see how things work, right? They kind of go through like, then they want to understand the process and the numbers, the facts, the figures, and, you know, they want to kind of break it and put it back together. But on both sides, blue and red team, right? I would just look at this this way for, for you uh, when you're looking at blue and red. What, what makes you more interested, right? Do you like setting things up or do you like putting breaking things down, right? Do you like taking them apart? It's, it's as easy as that, right? Do you like the, the challenge of seeing how you can get in? Do you like criminal shows and, and see how things do it? Or do you like kind of building shows, things that are building things up, like houses and renovations and things like that? Or do you like things that, you know, where more detective where you have to figure things out and how to get in? So thinking along that line, let me know what you think about that for yourself. Uh, what are some home lab essentials for beginners? Uh, one, have a good, have a good, you know, PC or, or, or even Mac, whatever that may be set up on like a VMware, uh, virtual box, anything along that line, uh, get a couple resources too, and books, videos, things like that, that you can kind of play along with and then do the labs and then like do courses like I and E. Right? those are kind of some good things to start out with. And then just have like different resources. Sometimes you'll have to have like, and from when I was trying to start to get into pen testing, you had to have different, you know, systems, 
right? Because you wanted to see if you can compromise other systems, right? And sometimes you'll take them down. Have cheaper systems too, because if you do anything that is, uh, say, out of the norm and you break the box or whatever, that you can fix it easily. You can take it apart. Right? Some of the, some of the older machines, you can do that. You can take it apart, or replace the RAM, replace anything like that, just in case you had to. Right? Uh, look at the poll result, results here. Uh, Fifty percent uh, prefer to read. Fifty percent uh, select other. No one choice video or po uh, PowerPoint. Uh, so yeah, that's it's interesting. You kind of got a 50-50 split here. So you have auditorial, uh, visual, and kinesthetic. Some people like to read. Right? Some people are auditorial. They like to listen to podcasts and all that. Some people are kinesthetic. They have to touch it and do it and feel it. So however you learn, right, that's the best way to figure that out for you and, and what you should be you know, applying. Uh, what books do you recommend? Uh, good question. Uh, now are we talking personal development? Are we talking cybersecurity? Cybersecurity, uh, there's just too many to recommend. I mean, to be honest with you. Uh, I know for me, I was going with the all-in-one books for the CISSP and kind of those ones because uh, Sean Harris was an amazing uh, cybersecurity professional and just her writing was really good and connecting. There's a Cybex books. They're great. Um, there's for hacking. Uh, I'm just looking at there's the playbook book, uh, ones. So there's a lot of great resources depending on which, which resource you specifically are asking about. Uh, let me look here. Hey, I currently watching uh, cyber mentor 15 hours ethical hacking course. Is this good for a, for a beginner? Any course is good for a beginner, right? It, some of them are going to be a little bit more advanced, but they're going to push you. They're going to push you to be better. Right. And then you might have to go through it again and again and again. But again, I mean, you're just going to learn wherever you start. Just think of it this way. Take in chunks. Take it in bite sides. If you don't understand, ask lots of questions or take a break and then go back. Wherever you start, I mean, that's going to be a great place. But just if you're starting to get too overwhelmed, then you might have to take a step back and kind of go, okay, what do I need to know about ethical hacking? What do I need to know about, you know, the systems, the solutions, the technology, the software? Do I need to know a little bit of uh, scripting, things along that line? See where you need, where your gaps are and then start kind of filling those gaps for yourself. And I would actually make it almost like a to-do list. Okay, yeah, uh, you know, scripting. They keep talking about scripting. I have no clue what scripting. So what's the fastest way I can learn scripting? Python programming. Check Python programming. I got to go to Code Academy and start learning Python programming or grab a book on Python programming. And then, okay, I filled that gap. What's the next gap? And you just keep going, right? This is the evolution. This is when you're self-studying. Now, courses like INE and things like that, I think they have kind of a path you can take and they'll walk you through that. Uh, can you elaborate on purple team? What what uh, what it, what to do? Okay, so my understanding of purple team uh, from what I see, so there's different types of testing, right, and how it's applied, right. Purple team testing is live testing with the actual blue team, right, and that's the other the cor the corporation, the clients you're working with, and it's real time. So as you're doing the the pen testers are doing their actual engagement. They're testing and they're educating the actual client on what they're doing and how to remediate in real time. And this is real time discussion, right? And then what happens is most companies that do it, it's a little bit more expensive for clients because again, it's full engagement where any type of red team testing or a pen testing team, if it's, you know, 
white hat, black hat, gray hat, where they know the environment completely in white hat, gray hat. They kind of know the environment a little bit black hat. They know nothing about the environment. They just want them to go to town. Depending on where that is on that level is also incorporated on the rules of engagement of what they want the team to do in real time. So when you get the rules of engagement of what they're going to do, that team is going to test. And sometimes what you get was pen testing teams. They have to do it after hours. They have to do it on weekends. They have to make sure that they're not affecting, you know, the actual production environment and real, real environment, because if they ever did something, something went down, they could take the organization, the company down. Right. So what they have to do is they have to make sure they do it on off hours, but on purple team test, they schedule that time that the team's there on the other side. So one, they can look at what's happening. If they, they can, they can detect the, the actual engagement. And two, if they can't, the pen testers are telling them, Hey, I'm doing this. This is what you need to look for. This is what you need to fix. Right. And they're doing this in real time. Uh, what does the purple team look like in terms of career path and, and day-to-day -day activities? The only difference that I saw so far in, in my career is the pen testers are just, you know, like I said, purple team are real terming, uh, real live engagement. What you have to look for is companies that offer that, right? Companies that offer that purple team and then go into looking at if they're hiring for someone. Now that's if you have pen testing though. And I want to do a caveat. If you're looking at doing, getting into pen testing, first get into pen testing, get into the career, start to work your way through that and then start to look for companies that offer purple team testing, right? And then see if you can get on that team, right? And then here's here's that, and kind of go back into the original question is, okay, junior to, a, to, to more of a, the advanced pen tester, senior level pen tester. Remember, purple team testers have to be able to engage with the client real time. So your level of communication has to be high. You'll have to be able to engage the client. You have to be able to be supportive, educational, help them through that process, help them understand what's going on. You have to be collaborative. You can't be a very technical, uh, ego-driven kind of guy. Well, this is how it is and it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm telling you this is right. You kind of have that collaborative. Well, just to let you know, John, this is how we're getting in. I'd recommend you look at fixing this. Right? These are the areas that we're breaching right now as we can compromise. We've got through this port. This port's actually open or we got through the software. There's a back-end code. It's how we've been you know, be able to exfiltrate this kind of solution or system. And you have to be able to be supportive, right? And it's, I've seen some with technical guys, not you guys, but I've seen on, on the street where egos get in the way, right? Well, you should know better. You're the client, you know, why did you guys develop this properly, right? And you can kind of see their, their ego start to get up. So when you're getting to the purple team, make sure that you work on your communication skills and you work on your support and how to support your clients. Uh, Cisco security outcome study shows a very strong correlation between software currency and cyber programs success. So why is keeping software current so difficult in most enterprise, uh, enterprise? And what do we do as practitioners to ensure software currency is at the top of management's priorities? Okay. So patch management, right? Patch management is one, right? Looking at software life cycles Two. uh, looking at, the actual budget for the organization, resources, projects, all these are factors into looking at why software has not been properly managed or managed in real time, right? In the sense of you got, you know, patches coming out, security patches coming out, have to be tested, right? You have to go through change management, 
right? Run, run into ITEL or some sort of change management when you actually deploy patches. When you do that, what happens is you have to make sure you do it on off hours and you have to make sure you do it in a test environment, make sure that you're not taking the system down because if there's anything that happens, you have to have a rollout or a backout plan and you roll it back into your previous you know, version so that you can get back up and going and then test it again. So all these things that you're looking for are so important when you're looking at you know, patch management, you're looking at these types of solutions and you're looking at keeping the software. Organizations have such a hard time is because they have so many different projects, so many moving parts. They have to take their time through that. The bigger the client, and think about this way. This was an analogy that I was told when I was, you know, in cybersecurity and IT uh, for the Ontario government too. Well, not cybersecurity, but IT for the Ontario government. You've got the difference between a small little dinghy boat versus the big Titanic massive ship. How hard is it to move the dinghy and how hard is it to move the big Titanic ship? Well, moving the Titanic ship, it's hard to pivot and move, right? No different from bigger, bigger organizations. There's a lot of processes, a lot of things that you have to go through. Versus if you have a small company, right? Five people, 10 people, easy to manage the software a lot better. So as practitioners now, what you have to do is your goal is to do your best of education, awareness, making sure you understand what patches and things are coming out, testing, running through your protocols and processes, make sure that they're up to date, educating the team, why essential of the vulnerabilities, risk associated, risk to the business. Change will happen faster when they understand, you know, how much risk is associated to it. And I'll give an example. Say they're in unicorns and I don't want to throw any industry out. Say they're in unicorn development, right? This company's unicorn development. They have a lot of different organizations in unicorn development. Right. And then what happens is you're starting to see ransomware happen on other unicorn companies. Well, if you go to the organization and say, okay, hold on. We're no noticing that these other unicorn companies are being compromised. Right. The potential loss of revenue is now a hundred thousand dollars plus, plus remediation is now another two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So right now it's you know three hundred and fifty thousand dollars of loss. We in the patch is only going to cost us. $20,000 to do. We need to get this done. The, speaking that language, they're going to go, go fix that. Now the losses could be higher, right? But if you come up with that, you know, proposal in education, you're going to get, you know, your patch management moving faster. So hopefully that answers questions. It's kind of a long answer, but I wanted to make sure everything was answered. Uh, do you think it's, it's worth focusing on becoming more the proficient in a specific focus uh, when first getting into cybersecurity infrastructure? Uh, I'm, I've considered learning everything I can, I can about web application, pen testing, and Active Directory. They're all actually fairly related, which is good. Application and, and web application security, pen testing. I mean, those are good correlations. There's a lot to learn about pen testing, different types of pen testing, IoT devices, uh, external application, things along that line, Active Directory. I would say this. And then, and I heard Joel talking about this last night, and I kind of agree. Try to get into if you're not right now, if you're into uh, blue team, any type of organization like that. Learn how to set these things up first, and then it'll be easier to get into the pen testing role. So think of Active Directory and app, a web application as kind of your starting point. And then what happens is now you can pen test those later. You can come back from the other side and pen test them because you know what's not set up, what's not configured, how to compromise them. Uh, 
Just going to think here. That's awesome. Thanks for the sales information. I cut my teeth at Lenny and Brothers on the phones. So good. Yeah, you're into cold calling, right? Which is good. Good experience, good knowledge. But yeah, again, depending on what you want to do. And I remember, I think you were talking about, you know, different directions in security. Try to try to get into them like subject matter expert and kind of go that direction. You, you, it's a, a massive career. It's awesome to be in it. Uh, what do you think about pen testing plus? It's not a bad certification. Again, depending on what you want to get, it's more introduction informative. I need these types of courses are going to be a lot better to give you hands-on real world, get you into the career faster. Uh, Brandon, hope you're well trying to have a, a total uh, career change from scratch to move into cybersecurity from a non it background, doing a Google prof uh, professional system admin cert, learning Python and starting uh, THM at the moment. Uh, what would you say the next uh, aim should be to make to move into the sector uh, career-wise? Starting out at entry-level system and job, developing cyber skills as I go. I like to eventually get into pen testing. I would try to go in for a SOC. I would try to go into a SOC role. If you're going to go directly into cybersecurity, try to get into a SOC role, right? Because that's going to give you the introduction on what breaches are happening, what compromises are happening, how they're happening. It's kind of going to give you that insider information of kind of like how our company is getting breached. From there, you're going to kind of go, okay, at home, through your home labs and doing all this, then you're going to start practicing your pen testing. And then what happens is because the knowledge that you're getting, how companies are getting breached and the alerts and the, you know, how the remediation actions, then you're going to be able to go and now do the pen testing against those. And it's going to give you a lot more knowledge. So that's my recommendation. Grab a security plus, get out there, start getting into the industry, and then start your working your way up. Now, if you want, um, some people have gone the blue team type way and gone to system in IT roles and then worked their way through. My recommendation, it's up to you. Is I'd probably go the sock role first and just kind of get in there. Uh, top of the hour. Uh, when is a pen testing, a penetration testing good, good enough? They're always just good enough. And the reason why that is, and let's be honest here, Companies are always changing. Companies are always modifying, changing their environment. Things are happening there. So then what happens is as they're changing, the environment changes. Potential vulnerabilities open up. Things might not be secure. So you're always having to test. You're always having to monitor. So uh, companies use like uh, SOCs, like security event management systems. Uh, it's an event management systems to be able to monitor the environment to see if anything's starting to be attacked. Right. So they have to look at that closing up and they have that 24 seven monitoring vulnerability scanning that's going on. Right. They're scanning the environment to see if there's any potential vulnerabilities that could be compromised. So a lot of these things you're looking for that should be tested after launch. So if they're doing development, they're doing change management, there should be a pen test done. If not, should be at least every six months to one year. Uh, but yeah, pen testing, like I said, should be an ongoing thing. Uh, how much try try hack me, hack the box, uh, range force, I need, et cetera. I need for some, uh, I need for someone without an IT background to be, to be taken serious for entry level sock one or, or junior pen testing. Okay. So I'm trying to, trying to understand your question here. Are you asking which of ones though are best for you? Cause you, you're, you don't have an IT background and you want to be taken serious in entry level sock one. So. Any of those, like I would grab, like <laughs> all of them are great. Try to hack the box, you know, try hack me, hack the box, all that. INE is great. If you're actually a SOC 1 analyst, I would say right now, look at the, the, the knowledge. 
right, that you're doing. Like, if you're an, take me serious as an entry level SOC. So I'm just wanna, I want to confirm if you're a SOC one analyst right now, then you're in a great position. I would actually learn as much as you can as a SOC one analyst, like I just said about the breaches, about the compromise, what's being logged, what's being event, and then go home and practice the other side. How's that being hacked? Now you can go try to like try to hack me, hack the box, practice because that's going to give you the skill set now to bridge that gap. That now when someone says, "Can you pen test this?" You can go, "Yeah, I can do this. I understand that," and that's going to give you that sweat equity, and that's going to get you from the junior pen tester to more of a senior. Uh, I have no IT background. How do I get the foot in the door? Okay, so if you want to become a SOC one analyst, right? Again, Security Plus is a good entry point to get in. Right, get in the door, start getting interviews, get in there. Interview those guys that are, are part of a SOC and, and try to find out what they do day in and day out and get yourself in the door. All right. From there, what happens is because you got security plus, you have a base knowledge. The companies, a lot of the companies now, because you have that that eagerness, that drive, they'll actually actually teach you and train you to get you up to day-to-day -day action. And then now you just evolve, right? You evolve in what's going on in the, in the SOC. Um uh, uh, cyber security, great, great answer. What resources can we use to learn how to speak this language of cost of management? CISSP, one resource. Second resource, CCISO. Second, the third, the second resource is that. Those are two. Uh, Dr. Eric Cole actually has a course as well, which is really good when he talks about wearing a CISO hat, right, and doing that. I've learned a lot of this stuff by learning from my managers and people around me and having these conversations through sales, right? Is having these conversations because these are the questions that I get asked and then I have to justify and translate into solutions. And what does that mean for the organization? So having that managerial hat, you can do that. And I'm just actually thinking, also looking at mentorship, look at uh, senior management and security and have th those discussions say, look, can I buy you a coffee? Can I go for lunch? I have one question or a couple of questions I want to ask you. Like, how do you deal with your budgets? How do you deal with, you know, your programs? How do you manage your, your employees? How do you manage the department? And listen to the conversation on the business side. C-suite has a different conversation than uh, management too. So if you can talk to people at C-level, right? CISO, CIO, CTO, things like people along that line. They're going to have a different conversation, have a different viewpoint of the the organization. So that's why, like, Doctor Eric Cole is really good to talk to, because he's able to break down the managerial conversation and give you a little bit of the technical role, and then combine them both, and, and then just look at how that collaborates in the conversation of working in cybersecurity. So. That looked like the last question. So, guys, thank you so much. This was awesome, right? I, I'm I'm loving answering you guys' questions in the chat. Thumbs up. Let me know what you thought. Uh, this was a good session. Did you guys get a lot from it? Uh, I hope you guys did uh, because it's awesome right now. Uh, I think I'm just kind of looking at the what's coming on next. Uh, give me a second here, guys. So yeah, so let me know, Thumb, thumbs up. Let me know if you guys enjoyed today. You got a lot from this. I really want to make sure you got uh, a lot of information. Uh, Neil's going to be on next. 
Uh, he's going to do an AMA on his side. So again, tonight's nothing but questions for you guys. Ask everything, everything that you want, everything you want to learn, right? Get as much information because I want what, and here's the thing for me. I want to see you guys excel. I want to see you guys go to that next level. I want to hear that. Hey, I've watched your video. I did the things that you recommended. And you know what? I changed careers. I moved up. Now I'm in pen testing. Now I'm doing this. Like, I want to hear you guys to excel. I want to hear you guys go to that next level. Uh, make sure you follow me. Make sure you connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, make sure you get in the Discord channel. Have a conversation after. Lots going on in the Discord channel. Lots happening in the you know, in the cybersecurity community. And we're all here to support and make sure that everything's coming up. So Neil's coming up, uh, I think, in an hour. Uh, so you guys got a little bit of a break, bio break, grab some food, you know, get get some things, you know, you're doing, get some paper, get a little bit of stretching going on because I'm sure you guys are sitting. And then what I want you to do is uh, come back at 8 Eastern Standard Time, uh, which is in one hour. And then, again, just connect, ask a lot of questions and learn. You know, I, I hope you guys, you know, really excel when it comes to cybersecurity. And that's my goal when it comes to daily cyber is to talk to you about the truth of what's going on with cybersecurity. Uh, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank, you know, Sec IT guy. Thank you so much for moderating, helping the community, helping everyone out. Uh, I really appreciate that. You guys are awesome. You guys are going to excel. Please study, study, study. Uh, and let's get to that next level. So don't forget. Software's hackle, being connected is vulnerable. I'll see you next Daily Cyber.